the Lord. Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. It says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. I want to preach for a few minutes today on this thought. That's not me anymore. Hallelujah. Let's, let's lift our hands and pray this morning. Lord, we just love you and thank you for that life-changing power that's in your name. And Father, I pray today that you'll pour out and move and sweep through this house. Lord, and change our hearts. Lord, take away that stony heart and put that heart of flesh in. Cleanse us and wash us with the word today. And Lord, let us believe that you can change us. God, we're going to praise you for it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. If you're glad God changed you, hallelujah. Come on, if you're glad today, if it still excites you that God can pull you out of your mess and make a miracle, if it still excites you that God let you escape from all the sin and the sickness that you were wrapped up in, if you got the same testimony that Saul had, that's not me anymore. Give him a big shout of praise in this house today. Yeah! Hallelujah! That's not me anymore. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm glad that's not me anymore. I could just preach from my own life right now and I could answer it. A lot of questions with that phrase today. If I went back to my hometown or maybe to a high school reunion, I'm sure I could have people come up to me and say, hey, I remember one night that I could say, that's not me anymore. They could say, well, I remember when we was on spring break. You remember that? And I said, yeah, I remember that, but that's not me anymore. Oh, hey, you remember that time we, we got locked up? You remember that night we got pulled over and then got locked up? I said, yeah, I remember that, but that's not me anymore. Remember when we went, we bought all that dope, we were smoking it up and having that party? Yeah, I remember all that, but that's not me anymore. You know, I'm glad today that Jesus doesn't just do a little temporary fix, a little temporary work, but he does a complete work. That when we're uh, in him, all things them old things are passed away. Now, you know, here's the thing about things that are dead and gone is that if you desire to, you can dig them up. You know, I got, I, I got a little dog that I loved so much that passed away not too long ago, and he's buried out in the back of our property. And you know what? He's dead, and I hate it. But if I wanted to, I could go dig him up, bring him in the house and lay him on the floor talk to him. Wouldn't be the same, would it? He's dead. He's gone. Ain't no reason to be digging up what God buried. And we just had some that was baptized recently. Let me tell you, whatever got buried there, leave it there. Don't be grave robbing. Don't be messing around. Don't be putting back grave. Don't be putting grave clothes back on. Come on. The Lord washed you and cleansed you and freed you from those kind of things. 
We got to embrace that stuff. Look, if you don't know this story, if you don't know who Saul is, Saul of Tarsus, he was a, a Jew that was raised up under one of the finest teachers in Israel, and he was a uh, he was uh, very zealous of the law. He was, uh, you know, a Pharisee. He was uh, of the Pharisees. He would say of himself, and he was more zealous. He would say that of the traditions of his fathers than anybody. He just he loved God. He loved God's law. He loved living for God. And he actually thought he had been doing God's uh, the the Lord a service by persecuting the Church of Jesus. He didn't realize that they was one in the same. He didn't know these things, and he had uh, done terrible things, and people remembered uh, him. And, and just like they remember us, people remembered Saul's past, and people remember our past. We remember our past. And many times uh, it will limit us because, uh, we just, we, because we can't forget it. We think it's been forgiven. But I've, I've said this many times, just because you remember it don't mean you hadn't conquered it. You hear me? Just because you remember how bad you were doesn't mean that's who you are anymore. If you really trust what Jesus has done. Now you might still look the same and people could recognize you by face, but that doesn't mean you act the same or walk the same or talk the same or go to the same places or do the things that you used to do. You don't have to be the same man anymore. When we hold on to that stuff, we, we think, oh, I can't get it out of my head. I can't get it out of my head. So maybe God didn't forgive it. That's just a lie of the enemy. The Bible says our enemy is an accuser of the brethren. He will continually accuse you. It doesn't matter that the, the righteous judge has cleared you, that you are sanctified and justified and washed in his name. It don't matter to him. He's still going to say, how do you think you can pray for somebody knowing what you did? How do you think you can stand up and sing a song to the Lord knowing who you were? Who are you to preach the gospel knowing the awful things that you did? And that's the, that's the key word. It's the things we did. It's not what we're doing. Friends, such were some of you. But now you are washed and you are sanctified and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I'm glad that that's not me anymore. I could tell you stories about uh, uh, drunken stupors and, and being in fights and being in jail and, and being places I should have never been and lying and stealing and, and all the things that I did. I could tell you story after story after story, but you know, I just don't like to dwell on that because that's not who I am anymore. It, it, ain't, it ain't once a thief, always a thief. Once a liar, always a liar. Come on, it, it ain't. It, once he gets done with you, Old things are passed away and all things are made new. And the thing is, is, is even when we work so hard to forget it and even to forgive ourselves, sometimes there's others who won't because they remember. And sometimes it's because it's people we hurt and they just can't believe you're any different. Oh, I watched you time and time again. I saw how you acted. I saw how you would behave. And there's no way you're different. But friend, we are different. And we can be different. And, and, and we have to be able to be forgiven. And we have to be able to forgive. And we can't limit ourselves because of who we were. Because that's not us anymore. If I were to ask you... And, and you may say, well, I don't know because 
you, you didn't pronounce it right. Maybe I, I'm not going to pronounce this right. But if you were to hear me say, hey, let me introduce you to Mitsuo Fuchida. Does anybody know who that is? Oh, well, let me tell you something. If you had lived in the days of World War II in Pearl Harbor, you would know who that is. And I guarantee you, you wouldn't shake his hand. I can promise you that there wasn't probably nobody in the United States at that time that would want to shook that man's hand. They might have wanted to grab his around the neck. But it's just an awful thing to say. That's how it was because he was the Japanese commander who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. And we see all that, Pearl Harbor. How many young men and women died uh, on that day in that attack? It was an awful attack. It was terrible. And uh, it was a surprise attack. And people were just going about their day, living their life, eating their breakfast, getting up, doing their duties. And all of a sudden, they were people dying everywhere. And this man is the one who coordinated that attack. Would you want to meet him and shake his hand? Would, I'd, I'd even be a little scared of him. But you know the thing about this guy? If you were to read his biography, he, he's got a, a book out. I think it's entitled From Pearl Harbor to Calvary. While he was, after the war, he was watching the trial of war criminals and there was another guy, an American guy by the name of Jacob DeShazar. And Jacob was an American bomber pilot, had done many raids over Japan after Pearl Harbor, and, and his bombs had killed numerous people. But he was shot down, he was captured, and he was at, spent time in a prison camp and watched some of his fellow soldiers be executed, and he just was there waiting for his time to go. But he didn't die. And so he was at a trial, and this uh, Mitsuo Fuchida, this Japanese, they called him a war criminal, you know, he, he was watching this guy, and he was just waiting for him to uh, turn around and accuse these Japanese of being so awful and so terrible, but Jacob Deshazer didn't do that because he had found the Lord, and he said he forgave that killing and that beating and that rough treatment and he loved them because he knew that God loved them. And this Japanese man who had coordinated these terrible attacks could not believe that someone could be forgiven for those kind of things. And so he went and found a Bible himself. He was not a Christian man. He went and found a Bible and started reading. And in his biography you'll read, he says, I came to the part where this carpenter died on a cross and while he was on that cross he said Father forgive them for they know not what they do and I realized that he was praying for me too and he became an evangelist and while he was evangelizing in the United States he said my first convert was a man from Japan and he said I remember being so thrilled at my first convert from this Japanese man who turned his life to Christ uh, Jacob DeShazer and his wife stayed in Japan and started over 23 churches for the Japanese people. People who had once been killing Japanese were now preaching to the Japanese. A man that had coordinated attacks of killing Americans was now preaching the gospel to Americans. 
And let me tell you, I'm sure there were some people who lost loved ones and said, I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear what that man said. But that's not him anymore. And you may think, that's a, that was a terrible time and it was awful. And, and every year we remember Pearl Harbor. And, and yeah, we, we honor the lives of men and women who died in service to our country. But friend, we can't hold anybody. We can't hold anybody accountable for things that God has forgiven. Well, I don't know if I could forgive him. What if God did? Well, I tell you what, I love Paul. And I love the things he's written. That nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I'm persuaded. Where's my, he ain't here, never mind. I said Jake was going to jump up and say amen. That's his go-to scripture. He loves that, that verse. But Paul wrote about the great things of love. And Paul wrote about, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and the salvation. And, and Paul wrote so many inspiring, wonderful things. But Paul had murder in his past. And that's why these people were afraid of him. When Paul, he said he came and tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid because they knew who he was. Let me just read you a couple of things that Paul did. And in Acts chapter 7 and verse 58 and 59, uh, the, the disciple Stephen had been preaching and the Jews took him out. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, uh, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entered into every house, hailing men and women, committing them to the prison. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way Christians, whether they were men or women, he could bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Saul had an ugly past. When you read about his, uh, his letters about gifts of the Spirit and you read about the uh, the qualities of love and you, you read his compassion that he has for the church and for Timothy and just wanting to build the kingdom of God. It's hard to imagine that Saul had once been slaughtering the church. And I, no doubt when he walked into that room or went into a place where the disciples were that some of those people said, that was my mother that you drugged to prison. That was my Dad, that you had stoned outside the city. That was my son that you locked up, Saul. But God had called him to preach. He had an ugly past. We have ugly past. It said Saul was a young man. Oh, I wish I could go back sometimes and meet the young man that I was. I wish there was a time machine and I could go back and say, do not go here. Do not go there. Don't do this. Don't say that. Don't be that person. But I can't change who I was. But God can change who I was. Hello? 
I can't cleanse myself from those things. And I may not even be able to forget all of those things, but God has forgiven all those things. And you may never forget what you did or even what was done to you, but that can't stop what God wants to make of you. Do you hear what I'm saying today? You'll have that same answer. That's not me anymore. You may run into somebody that knew you in a deep, dark place and say, "Woo, hey, have you still got access to this? And you can say, nope, because that's not me anymore. But I can tell you what, maybe you used to sell a little dope, maybe you used to do a little dope, and maybe somebody said, hey, you got any dope? You said, nope, but I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Spirit of God inside of me. I can tell you where you can go and find something and it'll be better than any high you ever experienced. It'll be better than any drunk you ever had and it won't leave you hung over. It won't leave you having regrets on Saturday or Sunday morning. Honey, but it'll just make you feel good. It'll be life more abundantly. Let me tell you about somebody that can change you. Jesus Christ of Nazareth can change your life. Saul met a man named Jesus and it changed who he was. Listen, young people, this young, you hear me, young people today, boy, young people have it so, they, they got it rough. They do, there's just, there's too much access to too many things. And it's because the world is just getting worse and worse. It was bad. You, had to, you could find about anything in my day, but you had to work for it. <laughs> now it's just there. It's just there. I mean, it, you just open your phone, open a, a, on Instagram or one of them other crazy apps. It just, boom, there it is. With, the, with that World Wide Web came access to all kind of ungodliness. It's just, you know, it's so, it, it's not all bad, but it's mostly bad. And, uh, it's just terrible. It's hard for young people. But hey, guess what? Even older people, we make mistakes. We get conformed to the condition of our birth. And we, we are stuck in a pattern, in a routine. And we think it'll never change. But God can change it. When our lives are filled with ugly things, bad things, things that, that influence and shape us, make us not good people. I had somebody tell me one time, I was testifying about something. They said, man, afterwards they said, I thought you was raised in the church. I said, that's the best compliment I ever got. That God does such good work that you can't see any residual effects of the world in my life. And that ain't patting me on the back. That's the Lord. Because let me tell you, left to my own devices, I know the fool I can be. I know the idiot that I could be. But, oh, that's why I don't never turn and look back, forgetting those things that are behind. The Bible said if we are mindful of the country we came out of, then there'll be every opportunity to turn around and go back. You got to get your mind off of those things. and You got to get your focus on what's before, making it all the way home. The memory of those things, it's awful, and it can just about drive you crazy. But that's what it is. It's just a memory. Memories are powerful, but it's just a memory. That's not who you are anymore. It's amazing the storage capacity that the brain has. There are times when there are things that I have not thought of in over 30 years. And all of a sudden, as I'm about to drift off to sleep, 
It's like a trailer of my past just flows past my mind. And I'm like, why? And I find myself repenting all over again. I know God's already forgiven. I know it's under the blood. I know that I'm not that man anymore. But it makes me sick to my stomach to think I could have ever been that individual. And I'm sure that Saul was sick knowing that he had ever been that individual. That he had ever been a murderer in the name of the Lord. There's a lot of people trying to kill folks today in the name of the Lord. That's another message for another time. But let me tell you, God could have just killed Saul. I don't want to, let's see, we've got a problem with Saul. He's, he's, he's hurting my people. He's chasing them. He's locking them up. So why don't we just kill him? But the Lord knew I can change him. And if I'll meet him right in the middle of his mess, right in the middle of his goings, and that's where he, he got Saul at. That's what happened. Saul had those letters, and he was going uh, to, to lock up people and to pull them out of their houses and put them in jail. And it didn't matter if it was a man or a woman, who it was, he was going to lock them up. And God met him right in the middle of his wrong and turned him around and made him right. Hmm. I wonder how many times in Saul's life, as he was later known as Paul, I wonder how many times... When he was trying to go to sleep, did he see the faces of those that he had locked up? Did he see, the Bible says when they were stoning Stephen, they looked at his face and it was like looking at an angel. Like they had seen the angel of God and heard those last words of Stephen as he got ready to take his last breath when he said, don't lay this to their charge, Lord. When how many tears Paul cried but as bad as he was, it couldn't stop him from being who God wanted him to be. And I'm telling you today that if you can embrace that change that God wants to make in your life or has made in your life, ain't nothing can stop you from being what God wants you to be. We don't know when glory's coming. And sometimes we think, man, it's going to be a mighty long way. And it might be yet, but you can get there. You can get there. If you keep going in the right direction. Years ago, we went to South Africa and on the flight back, it was 16 hours nonstop. I thought I would die. 16 hours on an airplane is ridiculous. And some of y'all that flown like that, you know what I'm talking about. But I mean, right there toward the end, I thought if they'd give me a parachute, I'd jump. Get me out of the plane. Of course, I'd have died. But that's how, how it was. But you know what happened? I stayed on the plane, and it seemed like it took 30 hours. But guess what? We landed. I got off that plane, and I got home because I stayed on course. And sometimes it's rough and it's awful and it's, it's, it feels like it's driving you insane. Just stay with it because God will get you home. You hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying? God will get you there. But if you stay wrapped up in who you were, it'll stop you from being who God wants you to be. How many times do, we, do you think about who you used to be? When you're trying to pray. Hmm? How many times you got down, you thought, well, I'm about to have prayer meeting. And while you start saying, my father in heaven, the enemy's going, you old dope addict, drunk, thief, lying, no good, stinking, ugly thing. Yeah, you remember that? You're trying to worship God and all and all these pictures are rolling up in your mind of who you used to be. 
you got to just rebuke that stuff. You're trying to study God's word and you start reading all of a sudden here comes these thoughts raining down in your mind and you can't even remember what you just read. You got to rebuke that stuff and get it out. Sometimes you're just trying to live right and it, every commercial, every billboard is reminding you of your favorite drink you used to drink. Hello. I know I'm talking. Every commercial, every ad on Facebook, everything that somebody else is posting reminds you of who you used to be. That's a good thing about it. You can turn it off. And you can open up something else. Look, the image of who we used to be and not who we are will continue to pop up in your mind. And there will always be somebody there to remind you. One good thing about when I was coming up is we didn't have camera phones. Praise God. And we didn't have social media. And so I didn't have to worry about my weekend being posted. I didn't have to worry about my beach trip being posted. I didn't have to worry about me face down in a gutter somewhere posted. Thank the Lord. But now, whatever's happening, they're they filming everything. And you just allowed to pop up anywhere in your, in your, not in a good way. And so that's the things that can remind you and haunt you. But I say use it like this. Make you a, one of them side-by-sides. I did that one time preaching. I put a picture of me with my Motley Crue bandana around my head. My black makeup under my eyes. My leather and spikes and stuff just hanging off everywhere. And I was standing like this right here. Somebody took a picture. I had another picture. Somebody had of me up here preaching. I was doing like this. I put them side by side. I said, that's what God will do. That's what God will do. I ain't proud about a bit of those days. But when it pops up, I just say, you know what? Let me show you another picture. See, a lot of people would only see Saul, the persecutor. They couldn't accept Paul, the preacher. But he was the preacher nonetheless because that's what God made him. And friend, you're just going to have to realize that when God works a work in your life, he does a complete work. He don't just do halfway do something. And friend, listen, we cannot forget what he's done. God can do anything. You can't fix it alone, but with Jesus Jesus did with Saul what nobody else could do. He made him new. He changed who he was. I know, I know I'm, I'm running down. I'm, I'm going to get here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know there was no way to preach this message without going here. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we were all dead. See, we were all in need of him. I don't care who you were. And that he died for all, that they which live should not anymore live unto themselves, but live unto him which died for them and rose again. Now live for Jesus. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. In other words, you don't know them after what they did. You know them for who they are. 
And though we have known Christ out of the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If you can't believe that, then did anything really happen at all? If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things are become new. God makes it new. It takes Jesus. All things are made new. Now, sometimes people think all things means, or when old things pass away, that means everything just, I'm just a complete blank slate. I have nothing left anymore. But that's, that's not all the old sinful things are gone. You know, there's people that get married and they get born again. Now their marriage is new because it's in a new light. Yeah. We had, just had a, a, a wonderful couple. Both got baptized. Both got the Holy Ghost last week. Well, they're just as married as they was before that day. But now it's through a new lens. <laughs> your marriage, your relationships, your job, anything you do, will be different because all things are of God now. And we, we surrender all these things to him. We surrender our relationships. We surrender our life unto him. Our gifts, our calling, that all goes to him. And so when you look at Saul and you, you read about what happened to him, he was, uh, the Lord knocked him down on the road. He was on his way to lock people up. And, and, and he said, look, he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. So now he said, here's what you got to do. He said, I want you to go. He said, I'm going to tell you all the things you're going to do for me. And he blinded Saul. Saul couldn't see, and he sent for Ananias. And Ananias comes, and I'm hurrying up uh, because I know I, I don't want to run long today, but I'm, I'm just trying to let you see. Here's what happened to Saul. And Ananias came and, and told him, he said, Saul, the Lord sent me to you because he told me you were now praying he said, and, and he wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so uh, he laid his hands on him, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and the scales fell off his eyes, and he could see again. And he said, now why are you tarrying? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And Saul was immediately baptized. And from that point, he went on trying to join himself with the disciples. He was trying to get where they were. He wanted to be part of them, but they were like, uh-uh. I'm scared of that dude. They, they didn't believe it. But after a while, the whole church was in love with Saul. You know why? Because they saw him contending for the gospel. They saw him through persecutions and imprisonments and beatings. They watched him stand firm and stand strong in what God had done in his life. And they realized there must be something to it. Friend, let me tell you, the greatest witness you'll ever be is just going on and living your life for the one that died for you. Those people, no matter what they knew about you, they can't deny what they see happening now. They might say, well, I remember when. Okay, but that's not me anymore. I'm not that person anymore. And so uh, Paul is preaching. He's preaching what he used to persecute. He's just like those soldiers we read about, the ones that were bombing people, killing people. Now they're preaching to them, loving them, bringing them to the Lord. Paul, surely God doesn't do a mind wipe when you're born again. Oh, I wish he would sometimes. I wouldn't have to think about those things. But, but listen, uh, Paul didn't forget either, but you live by faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. Let me get there. 
right quick. I'm sorry. Paul, this is what this is how Paul looked at himself. For I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not even meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You can say, well, I'm not worthy to preach because I used to drink or I used to do this or I lied or maybe I even killed somebody. There's a lot of folks that got those testimonies. But it's by the grace of God that you are who you are. And sometimes God needs someone with that kind of past so they can preach to others that you'll have a future if you'll trust the Lord. That's why we're overcomers by the word of our testimony, not that only, but also the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us that testimony that we can overcome and conquer anything and that God can make us new creatures. And God will make you a new creature if you believe him, if you trust him today. And, and so he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. He said, when I got this, he said, man, I got with it. I put my hand to the plow and I wasn't looking back. Whatever I found to do for the Lord, I did it with all my might. I was going to make sure that I didn't waste this grace that God poured out on me. Because I know who I was, but Jesus loved me anyway. And he didn't cast me away, but he kept me. Aren't you glad God don't throw us away? But he keeps us and he works on us. I'm not, I'm not much longer, not much longer. In 1 Corinthians, I mean, in 1 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. He put me in the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Man, you just can't get away from the love of God. He preached a great message. Brother Landon preached such a great message last week. Jesus loves you. And friend, he does. And that's what Paul was saying here. He said, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. He said, and this is a faithful saying and worthy for everybody to accept that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. But, for, but it was for this reason that I obtained mercy. You see, you think, man, that your mess is the reason that God won't have nothing to do with you, but it's that mess, that's the reason for his mercy. He said, it was for this cause that I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus might show himself forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul said, my testimony is a pattern of what God will do. He said, it's to show you that God can take the worst and make us something great for the kingdom of God. Friend, I'm telling you something today. There ain't nobody under the sound of my voice. There ain't nobody outside of the sound of my voice today that God can't change. If we will embrace it, if we will believe it. Listen, Paul was in the same body he had always been in, but he was a different man. He was a new creature in Christ. God made him that, and he said, this is a pattern of what God will do with an ugly past, but Jesus can look past the ugly.
That's why he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that the love of God is, is, is shown to us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So is there hope for you today? Is there hope for you and me today? You better believe that's the right answer. Are we able to get rid of that ugly past? With Jesus, you can. And honey, you can come on to the, the music today. Musicians can come and, and uh, you can stand with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close real quick here within about the next minute. Paul's writing to the church and this is what he, he, he begins to uh, write to them, uh, trying to encourage them really, not, not scolding them. He just said this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. He said, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, not thieves, not covetous, not drunkards, not revilers, not extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But he said, And such were some of you. In other words, but that's not you anymore. And such were some of you, but you are washed, baptized in water in the name of Jesus. But you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost of our God. Such were some of you, but the world may not recognize your new life right away. Prove them wrong. Prove to them that God has made a difference, that God has changed you. Live as a new creature in Christ. Prove them wrong. In Acts chapter 2, Paul, I mean Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, he gave us what gets us to that new man. Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent as a turning Turn away from the old life. Turn away from things that are unlike God. Ask forgiveness. And he says, and then be baptized, every one of you. Man, when you say everyone, that covers everybody and everything they've done. He said, because it's for the remission of sin. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. That's where the blood of Jesus washes away all our sin. He said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You just can't get away from the gospel. That's, that's the formula to be able to say, I'm not that man anymore. That's not me anymore. That's not who I, was, who I am. That's who I was, but that's not who I am. I wonder how many would like to live in a new life and leave the old life behind. Because Jesus can make something new today while we're standing we're going to bow our head and pray together for a second we're going to pray a prayer of repentance and after I pray with you and we pray together and we pray this prayer of repentance I'm going to open this altar for anyone who says I want God to change me I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down and pray and if you need the Holy Ghost today it's for you I need some folks that will be ready to pray for people that need the Holy Ghost and if you need the Holy Ghost, it's for you. You don't have to leave without the Holy Ghost today. And if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, the water's ready. I'm ready. We got robes. We got towels. We can do it today. And you can start living a new life. You can leave here different. When Paul got up off that road from Damascus, the guys that were with him said, well, it still looks like him. 
but it wasn't the same him because he wasn't going to lock nobody up. He wasn't killing nobody. He wasn't persecuting nobody. He was preaching 